This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke a Miami Hurricanes football podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake, joined as always by Gabby Arutia. And Gabby, today we're going to get into a little bit of team news, just give our opinions on some of the newest official additions to the roster with uh, the, the majority of the 2021 class now enrolled at Miami it, during the summer A semester, uh, most of those guys joined the program, getting settled in on Sunday, and so we're gonna we're gonna talk about those guys, share some opinions, what sh- what we expect from them here in this first year, and then part two is is everyone's favorite part, my favorite part, because I definitely learn a lot from Gabby during that section. We're gonna dive into recruiting some more. Gabby's been hitting the road. And as always, the recruiting news never stops. So we will kind of review some of the latest news to know. Want to make a note here in the beginning too. Uh, just on my street, they are doing construction. So if you hear beeps, that's kind of what's going on. Fingers crossed. Uh, the beeps don't make it through the microphone, but if you do, that's what's going on. And I, and I apologize for that. But Gabby, let's uh, let's just jump into it, man. I, I want to. I want to dive in and discuss um, this incoming 2021 class with, you know, just having having some fun with it because I think we've we've shared our opinions on a lot of these guys by now, just kind of what we think about them and how good they are, et cetera, et cetera. So I want to I want to go at this kind of a different way, and I organize some over under numbers um, for. You know, just some interesting maybe stats or benchmarks uh, with some of the big time guys in this 2021 class that just enrolled. And so I want to get each of our takes uh, on kind of what what we think over under number wise. Uh, I think it'll be a fun way to to discuss the new additions and all that stuff. Um, But are are you down for that, Gabby? That sounds a good way to do it. Absolutely. I'm ready. I got my numbers in front of me. I'm ready to go. All right. So. I think we're going to start with the five stars, right? You got to start with the big timers. Um, Miami added two five stars in this 2021 class. They're now officially enrolled. So that is good. Uh, Five-star defensive back, James Williams out of American heritage plantation was also named the Gatorade player of the year in, in Florida for his senior season. So congrats on that to James. Also Leonard Taylor, five-star defensive tackle out of Miami Palmetto, uh, both big, big, big time guys. It's the first time Miami's added two five stars in a class since uh, back in the day. I think it was 2012, if I remember correctly now, when Duke Johnson and uh, Tracy Howard uh, signed with Miami back then. But anyways, back to the over-unders. So, Gabby, the first over-under I want to set is for five-star defensive back James Williams. And, you know, on, on InsideTheU.com, there is a lot of discussion about how much are some of these guys going to play, right? And I think it starts with James Williams, who is a five-star guy, number one safety in the country. Um, but, but I think it is worth noting, right, that Miami has plenty of safeties returning. They have an emerging talented safety in Avante Williams, who's definitely going to figure into the two deep, probably even start next to Bubba Bolden. Um, so I think there is a, there is some questions as to how much will James Williams play this year as a true freshman. And so kind of with, you know, within that point, viewing things through that lens, I want to get your thoughts on James Williams for this freshman year, true freshman year, 2021 season, 
I set an over under number at 25 tackles. Uh, what would you bet on that and tell us why? Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of battled with, with, with this one and, you know, 13 pl- different players on Miami's defense had at least 25 tackles. And that included like Zach McLeod, Outblades, DJ Ivy to Corey couch, Sam Brooks. You know, most of those guys were starters at points of this season. Brooks really wasn't, but he's a linebacker. You know, I, I think I'm going to go. I'm like, I feel like there's a really good line just cause uh, I got to give you credit for that because I'm really kind of like teeter tottering here. Um, I think I'm going to go over. And I just think that's because I feel like, again, just stuff that we've mentioned about him is just like his versatility. I think he can make an impact on special teams too. So mm-hmm. I think he might be able to snag a few there. Um, and I think, you know, Miami's just going to find a place for him to kind of fit into this defense. I also think like that central Connecticut game is a place where, you know, he could potentially see a lot of playing time, potentially rack exactly. up some tackles and work his way towards that 25 t- uh, tackle total. So I- I'm, I'm going to go over and um, yeah, I mean, I'm feeling, pretty good about that but i could also see the 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 inverse happening how how are you feeling about that oh it's close right so i i think it's tough man i think i will take the under i think it'll be close right i think 25 is kind of that that ballpark number and i think he'll be over i think he'll be between 20 and 25 yeah uh but i i guess i'm gonna take the under I'll, i'll be conservative here I do think it's worth noting, like to me, James Williams reminds me a lot as a prospect of Ray Ray Armstrong. Yeah. Uh, very similar size. Ray Ray back in the day was 6'5", 215, 220 pounds coming out of high school as well. He was also considered a five-star guy by most of the services. Um, so a lot of similarities there. Ray Ray, his true freshman year, uh, totaled 21 tackles in 10 games, and he had one start. Um, is James Williams going to start a game? I would probably bet no. Now, I think James Williams is going to get some playing time in sub packages, uh, you know, with, with Miami's defensive coaches looking to get creative with with how they use him, uh, particularly on, on third down sub packages. So I think... You know, James Williams, I view him immediately getting on the field as kind of a front seven type player rather than a safety. Um, So that would help his ability to to rack up some tackles. And and you are right that that FCS game is going to be a big opportunity for him to to pile on some tackles. But for me, I'm going to take the under here. I I think it's close, though. I think 25 is kind of that number that that would be a great year for James as a true freshman. Like you said, he'll play plenty on special teams. Um, but I think you and I both agree, no matter what, he's got to get on the field. Miami's got to find a way to get him on the field. However, they can carve out a role for him. All right. The, the second over under we're going to talk about is centered around five-star defensive tackle Leonard Taylor. This one, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this one. It might be an easy one to say an over under on. Uh but I am going to set an over under for Leonard at five tackles for loss as a true freshman in 2021. Gabby, what do you think? Again, I mean, just going, I, I mean, I'm just looking at the central Connecticut game and just like, just after watching Leonard Taylor play, like I can see him getting three alone in this game, you know, like I feel like he can get some extended playing time, especially maybe in the second half of this game and potentially rack up two or three tackles for loss alone in that one. So that's why I'm going over like, I mean, I think he's going to end up being humming a regular part of the rotation, like maybe not against Alabama or Appalachian State or Michigan State, but I could see as the season kind of goes on that Leonard Taylor, you know, eventually starts getting his way in there. I think Central Connecticut, I mean, I guess it's, it's, a, it's a cop-out, but I feel like he could rack up a few in that game, and I think he yeah. could eventually find his way over that that five-tackle-for-loss mark, and that's why, again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go over for that. Yeah, I, I am. I am extremely high on Leonard, right? Yeah. I think if you're going to uh, pinpoint which one of these guys, which one of these additions to the roster, these freshmen coming in is most likely to be a first round draft pick, I would go with Leonard Taylor all day, not think twice about it. I think he has that type of talent. I think he has a talent, honestly, to be a top 10 pick in the NFL whenever that time comes, assuming health and all that, you know, 
stays, stays the same and everything checks out that way. Um, to me, this kind of just boils down to how much are they going to play him? Because it is tough, as we know, on the line of scrimmage to get on the field, um, in particular, and that interior defensive line spot. I think, so I'm going to bet on Leonard. I'm going to bet on Miami being willing to play him, and I'll take the over as well. I think it's worth noting Jared Harrison Hunt um, had six tackles for loss yeah. last year. But he, he of course, did that as a redshirt freshman. Uh, but, but I think that is encouraging because I, I do think Leonard is more talented. I think he's a better player. I think, in, in my opinion, Leonard reminds me a lot of uh, Clemson defensive tackle Brian Brzee, who was a true freshman starter last year. Uh, he totaled six and a half tackles for loss as a true freshman last year. He did receive 432 defensive snaps last year, and, and I'm not sure Leonard's going to get that many snaps. I don't know if Leonard is going to be a starter, to be quite frank with you, but I do think I do think he's going to uh, factor into the rotation uh, a, quite a bit, and I think he, he will be able to hit that over for five tackles for loss. Like you said, too, that FCS game is going to be a big time for him to show what he can do. And if, you know, this goes for James or any of these freshmen, if they show they can make plays in that game, it's going to springboard them to, to more opportunities against real teams. So, uh, you know, in terms of playing time, Gabby, that's kind of my next over under uh, for both these guys, James Williams and Leonard Taylor. Um, the over under I'm setting for each one of these guys uh, so it's kind of a buy or sell, I guess. But but would you would you buy or sell Leonard Taylor and James Williams each getting at least 250 snaps uh, as true freshmen this year? Do you know? All right. So do you know what that like? I, I didn't do the math. I feel like I should have. Do you know what that averages out to like per game? Like how many snaps per game is 250? Ooh, I think so. It would be somewhere between, uh, I think it'd be close to that 30 mark, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, essentially, well, let's say, let's say 13 games, right? Yeah. If we're including some postseason, 250 divided by 13 is 19.2. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Dang. 19 snaps a game on defense for both these guys. I'm going to go, I'm going to go no. On, I, I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna sell this one. I'm not sure. I feel like I, I can easily see it. Yeah. Do you think maybe the second half of the year they could be averaging 19 snaps a game? But it's tough yeah. to project it in that exactly. first half. It is, and I feel like it's hard to project it against again just the Alabama. Like I feel like they're gonna be they're gonna be like heavily relying on experience in that game. Like I'm not sure if you were, you want to throw out a a true freshman type you know, in that Alabama game, get them reps. Of course, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see each one of those guys in that game. Yeah. I'm not sure how much, I don't know if they're going to get close to 19 snaps in that one. And I think they would have to, you know, accommodate for that, you know, later on in the year, man, I would, I would probably, I would probably sell that. I'm not sure if they get to 250 snaps uh, each. I can see it happening, you know, especially, you know, you know how football season kind of goes where, you know, people get dinged up and stuff like that. But and I could see obviously I could see Leonard Taylor carving out a role where he plays well over 19 snaps a game, you know, eventually. Um, but I just think it's a I think it's tough to project 250 right now, like in this moment. So I'm gonna I'm gonna sell that. How are you feeling? Yeah, it's interesting. I would probably sell it too. And that's more so us looking at at recent history. Yeah. Right under Manny Diaz. Um, you know, even back to when he was defensive coordinator. Uh, I think really only Joe Jackson is the defensive guy as a true freshman that played significant snaps. And he played 384 snaps as a defensive end when I went back and looked at it. Um, Nesta Silvera, who was, you know, considered a big time defensive tackle recruit coming out too. He played 101 snaps back in 2018. Uh, John Garvin, he played a bunch in, in 2017. He played 188 snaps. Last year, the top uh, defensive true freshman was Corey Flagg. He played 206 snaps. So, you know, I, I think 250 would be, like, I would love to see that because I do think 
uh, to some extent, right? Miami wants to be known as a program that will play five stars right away, give them kind of significant roles. You want to be known as that program from a recruiting perspective. Um, And so I think 250 is a fair number to wonder about, but I I think it's going to be more in that 225 to 200 range. Um, But again, I hope I'm wrong. I'd love to see both those guys play 250 plus because I do think they are that talented. It's just a matter of uh, Manny Diaz and the coaching staff trusting them in those big roles. Um, All right. For the next over under, we're going to go to, so Miami added three receivers, right? uh, On Sunday with all of them being four-star guys, Romello Brinson out of Miami Northwestern, uh, Rashard Smith out of Miami Palmetto and Colby George out of Plantation High School. All, all three of these guys are four-star guys. I think all three of them have big play potential. Um, I'm not sure how much they're going to get on the field right away in 2021, but I do think they have big careers ahead of them down the road. So that kind of leads us to our next over-under, Gabby. And I'm going to set the over-under for these three players combining so between all three of them, uh, thirty at least 30 receptions uh, between the three of them. Would you take the over or under on that? I'm going to take the under. Um, I feel pretty confident about that. I mean, I was looking at the stats just from last year. Like, you know, D. Wiggins, Mark Pope, Mike Harley are the only three true wide receivers that caught over 30 passes. And then after that, you know, it's Michael Redding, Keyshawn Smith, Marshall Few, Xavier Restrepo, Jeremiah Payton combined for 13 you know, 13 total receptions, mm-hmm. according to the stats that, you know, Miami sends out. So, you know, I just feel like all those guys are also getting more experience. I think we're going to, I think we should expect Keyshawn Smith, Xavier Restrepo to take that next step. So I just think that just, it's just more mouths to feed. Obviously you throw Charleston Rambo into the mix. I'm just not sure if there's 30 receptions for that group in total, uh, just right. based on the way that Miami's kind of rotated the receivers. And, you know, Keyshawn Smith, I, we, I feel like we saw him flash last year. And, you know, we definitely saw some good things and still he caught, two passes for 58 right. yards he averaged 29 yards per catch but still even those promising true freshmen that were or that you know Keyshawn Smith was also an early enrollee still only had that much production so I'll probably take the under on that one but you know I could see one of those guys potentially stepping up and that's not to say those guys can't play in this offense but I just think you know just based on the history of just how the offense has kind of moved the ball around and stuff and just with those guys basically everyone returning and then mixing in Charleston Rambo I just don't see it let me ask you this. So let's say, and I agree with you, I'm, I'm going to take the under two, but, but let's play devil's advocate, right? Let's say D Wiggins, let's say Mark Pope, let's say um, Jeremiah Payton still struggle with, with their consistency uh, or, or struggle to make big plays when, when the opportunities come their way. Let's say Keyshawn Smith is still kind of figuring things out as a young player would that change things in your mind or do you still feel like it's too crowded for those guys to break through? Yeah. I, mean, I, I would honestly still feel like it's too crowded, a little too crowded. I could see like a Brashard Smith guy type, you know, like making a, an impact out of the slot. I mean, I think he's an awesome player. This isn't like a, a knock on any, right. any of those three guys, like at all. I just think that like, you know, like you say, like even if D Wiggins and Mark Pope, let's say struggle, Keyshawn Smith still takes time. I still think you just, you also have Charleston Rambo into the mix. Right. And then you have right. Xavier Restrepo who they feels like, who they feels like a promising guy. And then, you know, Michael Redding was also a blue chip guy. You know, he could potentially maybe take that next step. Who knows? But I just feel like there's a, just, a, I just feel like there's just a few too many guys in front of him with just too many guys coming back as well for them to, you know, be able to hit that 30 catch threshold. I mean, that's ba- essentially each of them catching 10 balls. You know, that's a, that, 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 that's a tough sell for me. I mean, Don Chaney and Jalen Knighton were the only other guy. Oh, and I guess the running backs each caught over 10 passes. Right. So I guess it's possible, but I also feel like, you know, that's also the way Miami kind of utilizes those backs too in that kind of setting. So uh, maybe, but I mean, I, I'm just, I, I'm not sold on that right now. How would you compare this trio to last year's trio of freshmen? Which, which do you like more? Which are you higher on? Oh, I'm, I'm higher on this year's trio for sure. Uh, you know, I think uh, Romello Brinson, I think he brings something unique to the offense, you know, just with his length. Like I saw him on Saturday 
you know, the day before he enrolls, he is a little skinny. I think he, sure. he definitely, he definitely has room to like put on some, some mass and all that stuff. You see the length and all that stuff. And you see how like, you know, that could definitely help Miami down the stretch. You know, Brashard Smith, I just feel like is a very shifty, just like just a great football player. Like, I think he can just do so many different things well. Like, we've seen him do it at a high level at Palmetto. And then Jacoby Georgia just feels just going to be like a reception machine. Like, I just feel like he's a sure-handed guy that's going to make plays that, you know, he's kind of the one flying, like, most under the radar of these three. But I feel like, you know, I watched him, me and Andrew uh, watched him early, like, you know, throughout his, his senior season, and he was just he was just amazing. Like, he made a one-handed catch in the corner of the end zone. He was just consistently finding ways to – you know, be open and stuff and then just, you know, create yards after the catch. So I'm excited about all three of those guys. And again, that's not a knock on Keyshawn Smith. Just thought it was, you know, then Xavier Restrepo, Michael Redding, obviously, but I just, I really like these three that are coming in. So me saying they're not going to catch 30 passes as true freshmen, like collectively, isn't a knock on them. Yeah. It's just, I think it's just a crowded room. And I think it's just good for them, especially guys that are summer A enrollees to just, you know, take time to just build their bodies right now. And I think that's just as important as, you know, what they're going to do on the field, like immediately. And I could see a few of those guys making an impact, you know, and eventually, you know, getting up, like making their way into the rotation. Like we saw all those freshmen play you know, last year. So I wouldn't be surprised to see all three of those guys get on the field at some point this year. And so, uh, yeah, man, that's just kind of where I'm at there, but I'm super high on this, this incoming receiver class. So I, I do want to note, you know, in, in 2016, of course, Amon Richards had 49 receptions. Yeah. He was a freshman all American. He had a, a, you know, friendly depth chart to climb and he made the most of his opportunities was a big, big, big time player for Miami that year. The next year, I was kind of surprised by this in 2017. So uh, they did have three receivers, three freshmen that totaled 30 receptions. It was led by Jeff Thomas, who had 17. Mike Harley then had nine and Deontay Mullins had four. So they were at 30 that year. And uh, the following year, if you count tight ends, right, Brevin Jordan had 32. But if you're only looking at wide receivers, uh, D Wiggins had seven. Brian Hightower had four, Marcus Ezard had two. So that was only 13. And then the last two years, Miami hasn't, hasn't been close in terms of pass catchers, uh, wide receivers or tight ends. So I agree. It's going to be tough. Um, you know, but again, I do think, I do think there's an opportunity if the struggles continue with those older guys. So we'll see. Cause I am high, like you, I am high on the talent of, of this wide receiver trio Miami's bringing in. Um, all right, let's move on to the next over under, and this one has to do with red shirts, Gabby. I want to get your take on what is fair, uh, in terms of red shirt number expectations. So, um, there's essentially, we're expecting 22 newcomers, right? 20 guys have already enrolled. We're still waiting officially on Tyler Johnson out of Miami Killian. And we are, uh, and Cody Brown, the running back commit out of Georgia, isn't expected to enroll until, uh, you know, fall camp, essentially. So it'll be 22 when all is said and done. But I want to get your take, Gabby, on how many of these guys do you think will redshirt? And I'm going to set the over under on 13 and a half. Yeah, and I think this is interesting now, just like with the new rule that they can they can play in up to four games and still redshirt. Right. So I think that that creates some flexibility where it's just like, oh, this guy can is is this guy gonna play a snap or not? Um, so I have it like into like I broke this up into like three tiers just for myself, just trying to figure this sure. out into like guys I feel like are most likely gonna redshirt the question marks and the guys that I feel like are gonna play. And I'll start with the guys I feel like are gonna play. I think Leonard Taylor, I don't think he redshirts James Williams, I don't think he redshirts Elijah Arroyo is the one I also don't think it's going to redshirt just given the situation at tight end. My, and then the guys I feel like will redshirt, I feel like Jay Garcia is going to probably take a seat back, you know, just, just being a true freshman quarterback. I think Jacoby George could be the, the receiver most likely to, to redshirt. I think all three of the offensive linemen in Lauren Seymour, Michael McLaughlin, Ryan Rodriguez, I just think with the depth of the offensive line at this point, I could see all those three guys um, redshirting. Jabari Ishmael, Alan Hay, Dad Franklin, Thomas Davis, Deshaun Troutman, Khalil Brantley, Tyler Johnson are guys that I feel like will probably redshirt. And then my biggest question marks, like my wild cards, just because of, I feel like what they can also bring on special teams. Right. I got Hay Smith. I got Cameron Kitchens. I got Romello Brinson, Brashard Smith, and Malik Curtis. 
So, you know, I think Malik Curtis would, is just the most interesting case just because of, you know, what he could do as a returner. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I feel, I feel the same with Brashard Smith. And I think Chase Smith, just with his length, Camp Kitchens, just with, you know, being a smart football player and being there early, I think he can make an impact in a few different ways too. So that would leave me at exactly like my for sure guys at 13. Um, I'm going to probably take the over just given that some more of these guys maybe end up sitting out, but yeah. I don't feel, I don't feel very confident about that either. Cause you know, I could, I could see some of these guys carving out a role for themselves. Yeah. I think I'm going to take the over as well. Uh, I'll just say like the guys who I definitely think will not red shirt, right. Kicker Andres Borgales. Oh, and Borgales. Yeah, of course. Like, I do. That's yeah. I mean, that's cheating, but still got to, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. obvious, but yeah, he's he's not redshirting. Definitely, that's a lock. Um, James Williams, right? Leonard Taylor, agree with you there. Elijah Royo, agree with you there. I think Chase Smith is not going to redshirt because of special teams. I will say the same of Cam Kitchens, and then I'm going to go with Brashard Smith too. I think he might be able to get some sort of playing time on special teams and maybe even sneak there at slot receiver a little bit. Uh, it gets it, the line starts getting tough for me at guys like Malik Curtis. I agree with you. I think he might he might get a shot at return uh, as as a returner. And then I I I I'm high on Ramelo Brinson's talent, um, so I would put him in that category as well. But in my opinion, kind of everyone else that I did not just name, kind of do for a redshirt year, and and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, so yeah. I, Tell me this. Did you, I didn't know what to think of the running backs, honestly, Cody Brown and Thad Franklin, uh, because they both bring different styles, right. Than than what's already on the roster. They're, they're both bigger backs that are 220, uh, could theoretically be helpful in short yardage situations and running backs kind of a position where guys don't like to wait. Um, do you think there's a chance one of those guys doesn't redshirt or do you think both of them are just headed for a redshirt year? Yeah. And that's where I like kind of struggle with like the four game kind of threshold, right? Like it's right. like, I could see, I could definitely see Thad Franklin getting carries like in short yardage packages, but can I get, can I see him getting Like, Do I think Miami's going to play him in multiple games to get that one extra yard or a few right. extra yards in those certain situations? I'm not sure of that I'm sure in just like, you know, what a goal line situation, they need a big body back. They need a push. Yeah, you know, I could see Thad Franklin getting thrown in there and we see 22 score a touchdown. But, you know, can I see that multiple, you know, like consistently throughout the year? I, that's, that's where I kind of struggle with it, where it's just like, I don't know if it's worth doing that. But, you know, if he really just, if he just, if he shows that he's consistent at it and he can, you know, definitely certainly be that short yardage guy. Yeah, I mean, I think Thad Franklin's super talented. I mean, we've seen what he's been able to do at the high school level. I think he would be, a great compliment to, you know, obviously Don Chaney, uh, Jalen Knighton and uh, Cameron Harris, especially with Chaney kind of out and stuff and, you know, him not really expected back until the fall. So yeah, I could see Thad Franklin absolutely carving out a role for himself and, you know, potentially not red shirting. And for Cody Brown, I feel like it's harder to project just because he's getting there so late. And I feel like, again, Thad's going to have all summer, you know, all the other running backs are obviously coming back with a lot of experience. So I could see the route being tougher for Cody Brown, but I could see Thad Franklin potentially, you know, doing something there. So let's go, let's give some, some, a three star, some love, right. Um, and and we, we cannot answer Andres Borgales because that's, that's (laughs) obvious, right. Kickers are always just going to be three stars, but I want to get your take Gabby on who is a composite three star that in your opinion has the best chance of not redshirting. Yeah, I'm going to go Malik Curtis. Uh, I think Malik Curtis, again, I think that, you know, he's going to have a chance to make an impact as a returner. You know, I'm not saying he's going to be lining up at cornerback or wide receiver or wherever he ends up playing for Miami. But I think that, you know, what he brings in that aspect of the game, I think is, uh, I think is interesting. And we know we saw what Miami kind of struggled with, especially like at punt returner last year. I think that he's going to have a chance to, you know, maybe carve out a role for himself there. So I, my, my pick is Malik Curtis there. Yeah, I, I would go him as well. I, I think if you're just thinking like special teams coverage units, I think Thomas Davis, even though he plays defensive end, he can really run downfield. 
maybe he gets on the field special teams. I'm not predicting that in any way, but he'd be a guy I'd bring up for this section as well. Maybe Deshaun Troutman too, right? Uh, linebacker, you know, special teams is kind of built the coverage units built for linebackers. Um, though I do think a redshirt year would be valuable for, for both Thomas Davis and Deshaun Troutman. So I do agree. Malik Curtis would probably be the three-star guy outside of Andres Borgales that, that I think has the best chance of not redshirting this year. And then let's wrap up this section, Gabby, with just kind of our take overall on this 2021 class. I, I'm high on this class. I, I think there is some big time potential with this class. Um, and I want to get your take, you know, let's forget about 2021, right? It's hard to expect true freshmen to come in and do anything. Uh, but I think you want to see, start to see those guys pop or, or make moves up the depth chart starting in year two. Um, and so I want to get your take, Gabby, starting next year, in your opinion, is this class good enough to try to, to get Miami to the next level? Um, you know, I think right now Miami's, and it's fair. I think Miami's viewed as like a top 20 team, right? Kind of yeah. close to that 20 mark. Next year, can, can this class uh, help elevate Miami to maybe a top 12, top 10 team, in, in your opinion? I mean, I do. I mean, you have a lot of the stuff that you kind of needed, like, you know, obviously top heavy. I feel like a little bit on defense with, you know, the two five stars, but, you know, those types of talents are the types of guys that, you know, potentially change a defense, potentially change the direction of a program. You know, you had a few more of those guys, you know, over the course of the next few years and you're really in business there. And then I feel like offensively, for sure, you know, you got your quarterback who, you know, has showed a lot of promise. I think you got, you know, four very, very solid pass catchers between Elijah Royo and the three wide receivers. Uh, you know, three local offensive linemen that I feel like could potentially make an impact down the road. You know, I, I think that there's a lot of promise with this class. I think that, you know, again, you have the elite, 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 you know, blue chip talent, which, you know, elevates the entire class. And I feel like you got a lot of guys, you know, spread out everywhere that could really, you know, help make Miami, you know, really kind of just take that next step where maybe they're consistent ACC coastal contenders where they're not like, oh, you know, Virginia is going to win it this year. It's like Miami's always going to kind of be there. North Carolina, obviously, the program rising as well. So just kind of seeing that consistent competition where, you know, they're able to kind of go toe-to-toe with them to kind of battle it out for, for the Coastal, like, year in and year out. And I think that's what you kind of want and expect. And I think this class does inch them closer to that. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, you know, there's still a ways to go, right? And, and you know, guys still got to put the work in, all that good stuff, handle their business. But I, I do think this class has a chance to kind of take Miami back to the, to the level that Miami fans want to see the Hurricanes at. You know, the way I look at all recruiting classes, you know, from a big picture standpoint, I think you got to start at quarterback. And it, it appears, you know, after a nice spring that Jake Garcia has star potential, looks like he can be a good one. He's still got to work at his craft and, and improve. And this fall will be big for him to do that and to win the starting job because, quite frankly, right now, Tyler Van Dyke is ahead of him. And so Jake Garcia still has work to put in to, to beat him out. Uh, but then, you know, after looking at quarterback, I think you judge a class by the, the pure star power. And you mentioned, you know, Leonard Taylor, James Williams, five-star guys, you know, the best players at their position in the country. You know, stars matter in college football. They take over games, and, and those two guys have that ability. I would also put tight end Elijah Arroyo in that star power category. Um, so you got three good ones there. And then, you know, I think you look at guys that, you know, who are guys that have a chance to, to get to the NFL if, if, you know, things go well with their developments. I think all three of the receivers, quite frankly, have a chance to do that. I think Chase Smith uh, the linebacker slash striker has a chance to do that. I would put Cam Kitchens in that category too. And then, you know, there'll be other guys too that bubble up in that category. You know, I, I, I like some of the offensive linemen they took in the class. I think Jabari Ishmael, you know, he has the tools. Now he's got to put it all together on the field before I, I totally go all in on him, but he's certainly got the height and the athleticism to be a good college player. I think one of the running backs, Cody Brown or uh, Thad Franklin, has a chance to develop into a, a nice college player too. So I am high on this class, 
And uh, again, you got to keep stacking talent every single year. Recruiting should never stop. Talent acquisition never stops. That's what college football is all about. That's why Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, Oklahoma kind of run the sport right now. And, and so Miami's still, uh, you know, a recruiting class or two away from, from getting close to those levels. So uh, this is a good start. I'm excited to see, follow these guys' careers, see how things go. Um, but, but I am highly encouraged. I, I like this class more than any class I I've covered at Miami in a long time. And that includes the, the 2018 class, which technically was ranked higher. Um, but, but I like the quarterback in this class more, this class has more five, you know, has more five stars than that class. And, um, you know, in general, I, I I'm, I'm high on this 2021 class, so it'll be fun to follow their careers. All right. So. Let's take a break here, Gabby, and we will get into some recruiting here on the other side. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we are back, and Gabby, this is kind of, you're going to take the floor here. You're going to lead the discussion, and uh, I guess, you know, let's just start with kind of some new official visitors um, that we need to know, and, and we'll start at the new official visitor at one of the key positions of need in this class, and that's at linebacker. Tell us what we need to know there. Yeah, so, uh, you know, linebacker Miami is obviously going after a lot of linebackers. I feel like that's a position that, you know, they obviously would love to, to upgrade, um, you know, so they're going to get a big time official visitor in Omaha, Nebraska, Burke. Uh, he's a top two, four, seven linebacker, Devin Jackson. I mean, this is a kid that's ran like a 10, five, two or something like that in the hundred meters. So just like freaky speed at like six two, 200 pounds. There's a really strong connection there between uh, Jackson's dad and Miami offensive line coach, Garen justice. Uh, Jackson's dad actually coached under Garen justice when, uh, when he was the head coach at Concord, I think it was like back in 2009. Uh. So there's like a direct family connection there. So, uh, you know, I feel like, I know that people in Miami feel like, you know, that there's a, that the family feels comfortable with Miami because there is a, a close relationship between, you know, Jackson's dad and coach justice. So I think that's going to be a, an interesting one to kind of monitor now. Um, and he's going to be in Miami June 25th, the weekend of June 25th, which is the weekend of paradise and interesting twist, David, that you mentioned to me a few weeks ago, um, or maybe it was last week that, you know, they could actually test guys while they're on official visits this year, which is different because, uh, yeah. most of the times they would, these guys would come on official visits and they could hang out at paradise. Like I think Keyshawn Lawrence and Daz Worsham, the last paradise camp were on official visits, but weren't able to like test or anything like that. So I think a Devon Jackson type could potentially compete in paradise camp if he wanted to. Yeah, yeah And Miami yeah. can kind of put him through that if that's something that they choose to do. Um, so that's a, that's definitely going to be an interesting name to, to monitor just that, that last weekend of June. Uh, another guy coming that weekend is, uh, Hillsborough Nashville, well, Nashville Hillsboro offensive lineman, Jacob hood. And, uh, you know, this is a recent offer from Garen justice, the guy that they've kind of stayed consistent with since offering six, eight, he says he's like 330 pounds right now. So just an absolute massive body on the offensive line. And, uh, you know, this is a kid that he has a basketball background from when he was younger, played some baseball too growing up. So, you know, kind of a, a, a rounded athlete that just, it's just absolutely huge. So uh, I think that's a, I think that's good that Miami's going to be able to get him on campus. Uh, Georgia and Auburn are two of the other official visits that he's going to take. And uh, so, yeah, I think Miami's right in the thick of it here. He had told me last week that he was really considering a Miami visit. 
and that it would be an official. So uh, he made that official, I believe it was yesterday on Monday. Um, so that's a, that's a big deal, man. Cause you know, Miami needs to continue to stack talent on the offensive line. I know Garen justice is selling some of these guys on, uh, you know, the fact that they're going to lose a lot this upcoming year, you know, with uh, right. you know, a lot of the talent returning on the line. So, you know, I think there's, I think a lot of guys see opportunity here. So, you know, Jacob hood becomes just another one of the offensive linemen that set up a summer official visit. So, I mean, David, how are you feeling about each of those guys? I guess, yeah. like, which one are you higher on? I think you, I missed it, but did you say, when Jacob Hood's gonna visit, is it that Paradise? Yeah, camp weekend? It, it's the same. It's the same okay. uh, weekend that June twenty fifth weekend. So he could also theoretically compete in Paradise if, if that's something that he was interested in doing. Got it. So yeah, I mean, let's let's go back to Devin Jackson, right? The linebacker you were talking about. Um, is it fair to say, in your opinion, like there's kind of a top four uh, evolving with with Miami's linebacker targets? And those four would be Wesley Besaint out of Miami Central, Travius Lathan out of Gulliver Prep, Demario Tolan out of the Orlando area, and now Devin Jackson. Have those four kind of separated from the pack, uh, or or is there someone else I'm missing? Yeah, I think it's those four. I think you can throw in uh, Ish Harris out of Pilot Point, Texas. I know he's a guy that Ishma Ariski really likes for that striker role too. So, I mean, I think those are are clearly like the five that they'd like to, that if they could land, you know, three of those guys, like if Manny walks away with three of those guys, I think that, I think that they're in a great position and they're going to be pretty happy about that because that, that would be adding three like really good athletes to the room. And Jacob Hood, the offensive lineman, you know, he's from Nashville, right? So that's SEC country. And you mentioned he's going to visit Auburn and Georgia. Um, do you get, do you get a vibe from him in terms of what school he, he might be liking the most at this point? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Um, you know, I know Auburn and Georgia have been involved for a while there. So, I mean, I, I, you know, you can never just flat out say, Oh, like, you know, they're not in a good spot or anything when, you know, those are two serious programs. Um, I haven't really got a sense of like where he's leaning or anything like that, but uh, I, I do feel like Miami's really in this. And I feel like, you know, that they they're obviously making a push now. And I think the fact that he set up an official visit has, has him. And I, I think that might have better Miami in a better spot than let's say like an Ole Miss or a Mississippi state. That's two schools that he visited for their spring games that he mm-hmm. hasn't yet set official visits for or anything like that. So I just think that Miami, the fact that Miami is able to get one of these, and, you know, he's had those two visits set for a little bit now. So for Miami to be that next team to finally get one from him, uh, I think it shows that, you know, they're they're making a, a real push for him. All right. So let's get on. Let's move on to the next recruiting topic, Gabby. You've been, uh, you know, you've been hitting the road here with, with spring football happening in, in the state of Florida and South Florida specifically uh, over the weekend. You made it out to American Heritage Plantation for a scrimmage. Um, tell me, let, let's just jump into it. Tell me what you, what you learned about key cornerback prospect Jacoby spells while you were out there. Yeah. And you know, it sounds like Jacoby spells is, you know, he's teased on social media a little bit that he's getting closer to a decision. And it, it sounds like that's absolutely the case. You know, uh, he has his, it's, I feel like it's just really down to three teams and it's, it's going to be, uh, West Virginia and Indiana and Miami. I think those are the three that uh, it sounds like are really pushing for a uh, commitment at this point. All three of those schools are going to get him on campus for official visits this summer. And he said, once he's done with those trips that he's going to be ready to make a decision. So, uh, you know, I, I still feel like Miami's in a good spot. He had, you know, a lot of good things to say about UM. Uh, he Miami's going to get more chances at him than anybody else, you know, just being the hometown right. team. Uh, he's going to be at Miami June 1st for the cookout. And then he's going to visit the weekend of June 11th which is that major official visit weekend that Ja'Curry Brown, uh, you know, Quan Lee, Jaden Gibson, a bunch of these guys are expected to, to be down there. So, you know, I think uh, Miami's in a, in a good spot there. My crystal ball is on Miami. Uh, I'm still feeling good about that. But, you know, I think West Virginia and uh, Indiana are both real threats. You know, he had really good say, things to say about Travis Trickett at, at West Virginia. And with Indiana, you know, they just landed the commitment of Richard Thomas, which is another American Heritage player that, you know, he's really good friends with. You know, he talks about, you know, Taiwan Mullen, who's over there. has been an all-conference guy over there that, you know, he knows that they take good care of the, the guys down here from Florida. So he feels like he could be comfortable over there as well. So, you know, I do feel good about where Miami stands right now, but I'm not just counting out the other two programs because I do think that there's a legitimate interest there. So 
move on to another position at American Heritage. It, it does seem like in this 2022 cycle, uh, Miami's kind of set at running back because they're not, I, it looks like they're going to pass on the position, right? Because it's not a great year in state. They just added uh, Cody Brown and they're kind of looking at him as a quote unquote 2022 addition in, in a way. Um, so Miami's kind of focusing on the 2023 cycle for the running back spot and American heritage has a big time guy that it looks like the hurricanes are kind of zeroing in on. Yeah, no, I mean, I talked to, to Mark Fletcher, you know, he's a six foot one, 230 pound back, just a, a real, real bruiser, you know, like you kind of look at him physically and you know, you're just like, Holy crap. Like this, like, how is this kid a, a high school sophomore technically? Um, so, you know, my, uh, Eric Hickson has done a really good job, you know, kind of staying in his ear, staying consistent with him and, you know, just letting him know that he's a, Oh, you know, just like a priority for Miami in that 2023 class. Uh, you know, I think it's good that they're able to kind of get out, get out ahead of that, you know, cause Alabama's, you know, coming around, Georgia's coming around. So, you know, this is going to be a, another one of those, you know, major battles between some of those big time SEC schools. So I think Miami's doing a good job kind of finding their footing early and making an impression early. And, you know, Eric Hickson does a really good job of just recruiting the position. You know, obviously he's, I don't think he's, I think every back he's signed since he's been here has been like a blue chip guy. You know, mm -hmm. he's signed to just a, a ton of, he's just done a really, really good job with the position. So, you know, I think Miami's in a pretty good spot there. And, you know, Fletcher's going to be on campus on June 2nd for that 2023 day slash, you know, camp thing that Miami's hosting. So, you know, it should be, it should be good that Miami's going to get a chance to get a crack at from there. And then he's going to be at Georgia and Alabama at, uh, at other points this summer. So, you know, I think this is going to be a, this is going to be a, a long battle, but, you know, I think this is a, this is probably the back that Miami zeroing in on the most in that 2023 cycle. I think Richard Young, you know, out of the Lehigh down your way, David, kind of, right. Uh, is another guy. So my, that's another guy Alabama wants. So it could kind of be, you know, let's see what Alabama does realistically and then see what else we could figure out there. So, um, you know, I think Miami's sitting in a pretty good spot with him right now. How does, in your opinion, because you've seen both Thad Franklin and Mark Fletcher, how do they compare to each other as bigger backs? Yeah, I think Mark Fletcher is just kind of special and just like, you know, I think Thad is obviously, you know, just again, a big body, like he's going to, he's going to fall forward. He's going to get to the short yardage, but I mean, I like the way Mark Fletcher kind of just like cuts and stuff. I feel like he, I feel like he just has a, I, I think Mark Fletcher might have a higher ceiling than Thad Franklin. And that's not a knock against Thad Franklin. Again, I think he's an awesome back and he's obviously proven to be one of the elite down here, you know, throughout his high school career. But I just think Mark Fletcher is, you know, again, already six one, maybe pushing six two, and just like that big body. Like, you know, I think he continue he could continue to keep growing. You know, he's probably just like fifteen years old right now. So, uh, you know, I think Fletcher just has a, a a crazy high ceiling, and you know, I think he could be a really really special dude in that twenty twenty three class. Other other thing to note, I want you to touch on Gabby. It seems like Miami legacy or a little junior. Um, I think, you know, this writing's kind of been on the wall here for the last yeah. six months or so. Right. But it seems like things are kind of trending away from Miami. What do we need to know there? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I had a low crystal ball confidence. I think I put it back in Christmas on, uh, on Earl Little to Miami. I moved that to Alabama along with, you know, many others. I know Andrew Ivins did it. Hank South has done it at Alabama uh, at the, with the Alabama 24 seven sports site. And, you know, it just seems like that's just the way it's going. You know, Patrick Sertain, uh, the second has been in his ear, obviously the, you know, first round pick out of Alabama. It just right. kind of seems like that's the direction it's going. You know, I feel like it's just, it is what it is in that, in that situation. Um, and, you know, I just think Miami's kind of moved on. There's still a lot of high priority targets, you know, blue chip targets at the position. And, you know, I think Miami's still in play for a lot of, a lot of serious dudes at cornerbacks. So, uh, you know, Miami might not get Earl Little, but there is other guys there that I think Miami fans should be really, really excited about being involved with. Another big time guy, American Heritage, you know, he's an FSU legacy, but Marvin Jones Jr., you know, Miami was is still involved too. Uh, but but seems like he's also kind of trending away from Miami and interested in Alabama as well. Yeah, you know, he'll, they'll both Little and Marvin Jones will both be at Miami on June first for the cookout. So I guess you never really know if you know Miami's able to make an impression on those guys and able to kind of work their way back into it. But yeah, it just seems like again, you know, Alabama is pushing there, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Florida State. You know, programs like that just seem to be in a better spot at the moment. I know Oklahoma, the Nick Bonito role, who's just done an awesome, who's ended up having a, a great career. You know, former St. Thomas Aquinas guy. 
So, uh, you know, I just think that it's just one of those situations where other schools have just found themselves in better positions than Miami right now. But, you know, again, anything can change. You know, this time last year, you know, Miami probably wasn't in it for some of the targets that, you know, they ended up signing. So, you know, you just got to continue to, you got to continue to play the recruiting game and all that stuff and kind of stay in it. And you just, you just never know what happens. So American heritage is one of the big time programs in South Florida, right? And it's important for Miami to land consistently land players from that program, uh, try and keep a pipeline going there. But again, you're not going to get every single guy every year. Um, but, but it is important for Miami to have a presence there. So I want to get your, your take Gabby, another over under for you on American heritage guys over the next two years. Right. So I think right now, as we know things and, you know, guys could always transfer in, but right now, as we know it, you know, in this 2022 cycle, uh, there's, there's kind of three guys there, Jacoby spells or a little junior Marvin Jones, junior. So there's three there. And then next year's cycle, you got Brandon Innes, the big time wide receiver, Mark Fletcher, Damon Fagan, uh, who's a defensive back to know for next year, Damari Brown, a corner to know for next year, and then Santana Fleming, kind of a, a quick slot receiver to know for next year too. So in total, those are eight guys, right? And I want to get your, your thoughts, Gabby. If I set an over-under that Miami lands, uh, let, let's set it at two and a half, right? So they either land two or they land three or more. Um, of these eight guys between the 2022 and 2023 cycles, which would you take? Yeah, that's a, I mean, I, I feel good about spells. Like I feel like in the 2022 class, I think the, if they're going to get one there, it's going to be spells. The 2023 class is going to be super interesting. Cause you know, Brandon Innes, obviously a high priority guy, Mark Fletcher, same Damon Fagan, the same. And then Damari Brown and Santana Fleming are kind of like, you know, maybe wild cards too. Um, this is tough because I feel like it could be two or three. Like that's that's right. where I think it's just like I think Miami gets. At, I think like if I were setting it, like it would be they would get two or three of these guys. You know, I think Innis is going to be uh, is going to be hard. I know Oklahoma right. is a school he's really high on right now. Mark Fletcher. I again, I feel great about the way Hickson's recruited running backs, but you know, with those other schools kind of in the picture as well, it's just hard to project, especially with Sony Michelle also in Fletcher's ear to help out the Bulldogs there because he's been helping out all spring over there at American heritage. I think Damon Fagan is a guy. I think Miami has a solid chance with, uh, you know, he looks up to James Williams in a big way and he's kind of similar, you know, frame wise, you know, he's a tall guy, like, you know, six, two, maybe pushing six, three, really long uh, safety type, uh, Damari Brown, a Miami legacy. His dad was selling Brown. Uh, and then Santana Fleming is a guy that Miami kind of offered. So, I mean, I would probably go, I'm going to, let's be optimistic for the inside view subscribers. Let's go let's over. Go. Let's go over. Um, I could see, I could see Miami making some noise here, especially if, they, if the program just continues to trend in the right direction. You know, I think James Williams is probably the highest rated guy that's coming out of that program. And he chose Miami. I think that, you know, if he has a successful career, I think that only helps Miami at the school. So, yeah. um, I think that that could be an avenue for Miami to have a little bit more success than they've maybe had in the past at American heritage. I agree. I think James Williams is a guy that has pull, right? Like guys respect him in the South Florida football community. And so if he goes and has a nice freshman year, that would definitely help recruit at that school. I think too, it's, it's fair to be optimistic because I, I think most people are optimistic that Miami will have a pretty good season this year and, you know, on field success usually translates into recruiting success. So uh, Miami's trying to get it going in that regard. And I think if Miami does have a successful year this year, uh, it, it can uh, equal more success at schools like American Heritage Plantation. So we'll see. It's loaded again there, and, and Miami knows that, and uh, we'll see what kind of moves they can make. Uh, so let's, let's wrap this up with some of your observations. So this is like evaluation notes from Gabby Rudia, right, on the trail. <laughs> um, Let's get your thoughts on Homestead defensive end Dante Anderson. I think I, I, I saw him at the Under Armour camp, right? And I kind of shared my thoughts I, about him. You know, in my opinion, seemed kind of undersized, seemed kind of raw with, with uh, his hand placement and, and all that stuff. But, you know, it does seem like Miami is, is you know, interested or keeping him warm 
from a recruiting standpoint. What, what are your thoughts on Dante after seeing him kind of in pads here this spring? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I think Dante Anderson, again, just like, you know, with the size and stuff, you can kind of see the intrigue. But, you know, just like, I just feel like, you know, he has another level that he can tap into that maybe he's just not there yet. Uh, you know, I would like to see the motor run a little hotter. You know, I'd like to see him just play a little bit faster um, and all those types of things. And I feel like there was opportunities for him to make plays, you know, in the scrimmage that I saw him play against Miami Edison this past weekend. And, you know, I feel like, you know, also at the, at the same time, it is like a spring scrimmage, you know, I don't know if everyone is going at a hundred percent, but I feel like there's just a little bit more that I think Dante Anderson has the potential to tap into that, you know, maybe he just hasn't yet. Uh, you see flashes of just, you know, how quick he is off the edge, but you know, there's also times where you can kind of see where he's just kind of running his hands a little bit and just like not really doing as much as he could potentially do, you know? So I think, uh, I think that there's still, I think that there's still a lot of room for Dante Anderson to sort of improve as a prospect. And that's not to say he's not a good prospect. I do think he might be a little bit of a tweener. Um, mm -hmm. Like, you know, I know you've noted that in the past, David, and I would agree with that, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I would definitely like to see a little bit more from Dante Anderson as a senior. I think that, uh, you know, I've seen him turn it on, you know, against Venice last year in the playoffs, you know, I feel like on third downs, he was, he was really, really a problem for, for that offense. But then, you know, first and second down where it's not like a true pass rush down, you kind of see him maybe, turn it off a little bit. And uh, you'd like to see that just that just uh, you'd, I'd like to see him just be that every down kind of, you know, edge guy where he can stop the run and he can do all those things. It just seems if it's not an obvious passing down, Dante Anderson, is not maybe not, I'm not questioning his effort or anything like that, but maybe like not turning it up to a hundred. So um, yeah, you know, I think that that's a, uh, that's kind of where I stand on him after watching him on Saturday. I would like to see a little bit more from him, honestly. And you mentioned Homestead played Miami Edison right in that scrimmage and there was someone on Edison that kind of caught your eye right yeah man uh, Nathaniel Joseph the 2023 top 247 wide receiver man he, this is an electric talent you know I know we talked about Jalen Brown Brandon Ennis and I still think those guys might be in a category of their own but man Nathaniel Joseph is I think he's something special down here locally uh, I talked to him after the game it doesn't sound like Miami's on him too hard right now and I'm just I was just sitting there like like what's going on you know like what's going on there uh, because, uh, you know, I, I absolutely think that he's one of the top guys down here and, you know, his ability to just kind of, you know, be a short yardage guy to like, you know, he's going to get you those four yards to get a first down on a, on a slant from the inside. You can also throw him on the outside and he, you can throw him a ball in the end zone and he's going to come down with it and make a play. And then he's just kind of got that top end speed where he can just break away too. So, you know, I think Nathaniel Joseph is a, is a big time talent down here. This is the first time I saw him play in pads, I believe. Cause I've seen him a lot on the seven on seven circuit and, you know, I've seen some of those flashes, but watching him do it in pads was, was special against, uh, you know, Homestead defense that, you know, people down there expect to be pretty good. So, right. um, you know, I, I was really, really excited about Nathaniel Joseph and, you know, I, I, I that he's a guy that I would like to see Miami kind of turn the heat up on because, uh, you know, I, I just think he's a special guy down here. How does he compare to Santana, Santana Fleming out of American heritage, same class, similar size. Yeah, no, I think he's on a different, I think he's on a different tier than Santana Fleming. I mean, I think, I just think he's a, just from like a speed standpoint, just from like, you know, just everything he's able to do. I feel like he just does a lot of different things, you know, well, and, and at a really, really high level. I do agree that they're similar. They play similar positions and they can do similar things, but I just think, I just think Joseph just does them on a, on a different level than Santana does. Then you got to see Gulliver prep play, right? And it sounds like linebacker, uh, Travis Lathan impressed you with, with his performance in that scrimmage as well. Yeah. I mean, he's just, he, he's just someone that I feel like is just getting, I just feel like he's just getting better and better and better. And, you know, I feel like, you know, a lot of times you, you, you hear him and you hear the, you know, he's going to visit Pitt and he's going to visit Indiana and, uh, you know, LSU and Oregon and these other schools. And it's just like, man, like, I'm not sure Miami should even let him get away. You know, like I know they have guys that might, might be a little bit higher on the board, but you know, this is a really athletic dude. He was playing wide receiver. You know, that's something he's done basically throughout his high school career. And, you know, he's just, he makes plays that a lot, like, you know, someone that's going to play linebacker shouldn't be making, you know, on the offensive side of the ball. So, you know, I just think that he's someone that's really just kind of finding like, you know, just really just coming together as a prospect. And I think he's just showing a lot of really, really good things right now. And, you know, he was super impressive, you know, on both sides of the ball in that scrimmage. They were playing Somerset Silver Palm, so maybe not an elite program. But I just think, like, what he showed that he can do athletically, 
and just what he's been able to sh- what he's already shown that he's able to do on the defensive side of the ball. You know, I think that this is a this is a guy I think Miami should start like maybe zeroing in on as a guy that's not not saying he's a backup plan or anything like that, but you know, it does seem like they like uh, Demario Tolan, uh, Devon Jackson, you know, Wesley Bassaint, obviously those guys. But I think Travis Lathan is absolutely on the same level as those guys. You know, from as in terms of just being a linebacker prospect and just what he could bring to defense. So. You know, I, I was really excited about the things that he was able to do on, on Saturday. Do you think, is he athletic enough to, to play striker or would you still put him like at weak side? I would still put him at weak side. Yeah. I'm not sure if he's like that striker type. I'm not sure he's going to test at like that elite level where it's just like, yeah, this guy could absolutely kind of play that striker role. Um, but, you know, he, I saw, this is actually funny. Uh, in, when I went up to Dallas to watch, you know, the, the seven on seven thing there and the immortals were there. Uh, him like Travis Lathan and Stan Quan Clark uh, raced like they were just messing around and they just like did a foot race and Stan Quan Clark is considered one of like the most athletic linebackers in the 2023 class and Travis Lathan is actually faster a little bit faster than Stan Quan Clark so he does have that speed but I'm not sure if it would translate to him being a, a striker and uh, so I mean we'll see but I, I would like him I'd like to see him stay at that weak side spot and then back to American Heritage uh, you know 2023 he's a he's 2023 receiver with already a ton of buzz brandon ennis uh five star on the on the 24 7 sports composite uh he, he made some plays out there huh oh man he is he was awesome you know it was so cool to see just because like you know heritage they obviously you hear that the defense with earl little with marvin jones jacoby spells and then you know the 2023 guys and damon fagan and demar uh, and damari brown and you know <laughs> He first play of the scrimmage, Brandon Ennis goes 75 yards for a touchdown, you know, just Im- immediate impact guy. Uh, you know, I, it might've been broken coverage or busted coverage on the defensive end, but still you see the type of impact that he can have. And then later on, uh, you know, he goes up for a long touchdown as well. I think that was, I think the coverage was a little messed up there too. Jacoby spells was the nearest defender, but it didn't seem like he was close enough to be the guy that was like, quote unquote, like on Brandon Ennis but he just was the guy closest in proximity. So it could have been on Jacoby spells. It could have been on someone else. No one really knows, but Brandon Innes was probably the MVP of that American heritage scrimmage, uh, you know, with those two touchdowns. And uh, he's just, he's just an absolute dude, you know, just kind of like that alpha mentality in terms of just competitiveness and just what he's able to just do on the field is just, is, is just impressive. And it's early, but you know, Oklahoma seems like they're going to be tough to beat there. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like Oklahoma is going to be uh, a real player in this. You know, they – I feel like the Sooners are close to picking up the commitment of Malachi Nelson, who's like the number one or a top quarterback, five potential five-star guy in that 2023 class. So, you know, Lincoln Riley is going to have no quarterback worries for at least the next few years. Right. And, uh, you know, it seems like that – just like that offense, that setting is one that definitely intrigues him. And I, I it's hard to blame him, right? Like it's hard yeah. to – it's hard to see. It's hard for Lincoln Riley to come after you, and you just kind of turn that away. So I know Miami's in it. Uh, you know he's going to be on campus again on June second. So you know I think Miami's going to get more than enough cracks at him, and just you know continue to kind of chip away there. But like all these five star guys, you're not just going to Alabama's not going to see him and be like, oh well, he's in South Florida, so Miami's got him. You know you're going to have to battle out a lot of these programs for those types of dudes. So you know you just got to just got to continue to do what you can do there. We'll wrap things up here with with uh, your opinion on something Miami fans will be curious on it. And that's just how does Jacoby spells, right? Who's a corner that looks like he's trending to Miami from American heritage. How does he compare just as a player to Earl little junior, who again is the legacy Miami legacy that appears to be trending to Alabama right now. How do they compare as players in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, when you think in terms of just, like, what Miami really needs to cycle, I think you're looking at, like, true cornerbacks, right? Like, you, you need guys that are going to be out there on the boundary and just be able to just cover. And then, you know, the way that American Heritage uses Earl Little is more of just, like, a rover, like, type of role where he's playing multiple different positions on both sides of the field. And, you know, he blitzes. They have him blitzing off the edge a lot. They have him coming off the ball and just, like, or from the slot and blitzing and, you know, having them do a bunch of different things. And, you know, obviously that's, that's, that's incredible. That little has that skill set. but I think spells has more of just like that true corner kind of frame and build where it's just like, you're going to keep him out there and he's going to be able to cover his guy. And I think that's a lot of what Miami really needs right now is just after you didn't sign a true corner last cycle. So I think spells brings a lot of that. And I think that's a positive, you know, like you might miss out on little, but you might sign the best true cornerback on that on that American heritage roster, just because 
who knows if little ends up even playing corner at the next level. Like he could be a, a potential striker type or even like maybe a safety type, you know, I know Andrew Ivins compares him to Tyran Matthew with that skill set and just the way he moves around. And, you know, that's exactly basically what he is, you know, after what we were able to see on Saturday. So yeah, like obviously he's an elite talent that Miami would love to sign, but Jacoby spells is more of a guy that kind of fits of what, of what something of a position that Miami really, really needs to kind of take advantage of this cycle. So you know, just a half glass full kind of outlook on that whole situation. I think uh, Jacoby Spells is is a solid player that fits a big time need for what Miami wants to bring. All right, Gabby, man, that's good stuff as always, bringing it from the recruiting front. And uh, we will wrap up the podcast on that note. Uh, again, appreciate everyone listening. Give us five star review if you don't mind. Always helps us in that algorithm. And uh, We'll, we'll keep cranking stuff out on InsideTheU.com. So uh, appreciate you reading our stuff there. Gabby always has new recruiting updates there. And uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening. That was good stuff, Gabby. Absolutely, David. Great stuff on your end, too. Pump to do it again next week. Let's do it. Yes, sir. Take care. Absolutely. of sports mixed with your pop culture along with humor and celebrity interviews your earbuds are enjoying the rich eisen show dan orlovsky are you still a Jaden daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy i think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one i think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft every quarterback in the nfl is accurate he's got the best on tape number two most transferable stuff to the nfl and then i think the third thing is pocket peace search for the rich eisen show on youtube or wherever you listen